a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome everybody to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Alpine Star Protects. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, great to have you on board. I'm Steve Mathis. This is the Loretta Lynn's wrap up, the week that was at the ranch. Lots of stories, lots of laughs, lots of uh, rumors and things like that to talk about when it comes to Loretta's. Who's next as well? Uh, who we're going to see this weekend at Unadilla? And uh, yeah, looking forward to talking about it all. First up, though, the 2018 Fly Racing stuff is out. And each year that Fly Racing, they develop, they test, they improve their products in the never-ending pursuit of perfect racewear. They were the first to integrate the BOA system, and now they have it on two lines of their of their pants, and they offer unmatched comfort, performance, and durability that make an industry leader in technical racewear. Flyracing.com. Blake Baggett wearing it, uh, Benny Bloss wearing it, Weston Pike wearing it, and uh, Andrew Short wearing it, testing Honda off-road bikes somewhere in America. He wears fly racing as well. Prepare, perform, and progress with fly racing. Also, two Alpine Star Protects. You know about the Tech 10s and the Tech 8s and the 7s and everything else that A-Star makes for boots, and you know how good those are. Well, they've got a whole line of protection products. Uh, BNS Tech Carbon uh, is neck, neck support is engineered to help prevent neck injury. And minimize the risk of collateral damage. The construction of the BNS is from the advanced carbon polymer. For optimized frame strength and lightweight performance, they got the A1 Roost Guard, which is an ultra-lightweight, comfortable strap vest, offering high levels of upper body protection. And also the uh, Fluitech Carbon Knee Brace. It's uh, an over-the-shelf uh, uh, new knee brace for you that uh, works great. And so you know Alpine Star name, and you know the quality they have. And so please check out their whole line of protection products. Thanks to Fly Racing as well. Of course, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line to discuss Loretta's and all that happened, the voice of Loretta Lens, Jason Wygan. What's up, Weege? Yeah! Or should I say, yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. you work like a dog this week. It's in, it's unbelievable the things that you probably have to do and how many late hours you have. You know, they, it is bad, but what's funny is uh, it's like half as bad as it used to be, which is like hard to imagine. Like, we work a lot down there, and everybody does. I mean, it's literally sun up to sundown racing, probably 7 to 7.30, um, Tuesday through Saturday. But... We used to be so much worse. Like, that's what I cannot believe after all this load. And it's not just me. It's everybody involved in this event. Uh-huh. You know, they got to keep that track in perfect condition, sun up to sundown every single day. But we used to do the Wes Williams and crew video wrap-up show or the Radio Fox uh, Internet show after we were done. So 
Dude, the fact that I'm done at 7.30 at night feels like vacation to me. <laughs> and you just crazy. Uh, I listened to a little bit. I watched a few of the motos. You had Top Jimmy, who, by the way, is supposed to be on this podcast. At 11 a.m. Pacific, he gave a thumbs up, and we cannot find Top Jimmy. But uh, Top Jimmy also was the one that suggested doing this. He called me yesterday, and he said, hey, we need to have some audio or video. I think Racer needs to have some audio or video content from this race. And I'm like, yeah, Mathis and I are going to do a podcast anyway. Get in on it. Oh. So. His suggestion. So you had uh, Kevin Kelly, Jimmy Albertson in the booth, uh, along with the regular Rodney was in there, right? Yeah, Rodney Tomlin, as we call it, the uh, the Cadillac of announcers. He just set the cruise at 65. You need to eat up some miles. He just sent it to Rodney. He'll take one breath, and he'll give you 20-minute run-on sentence and get you through an entire moto. Megawatt was in the booth? Yeah, Megawatt doesn't really work for us anymore, but he came down anyway. And hung out, and same thing at West Kent. Uh, he came down and hung out, and, of course, we got him in the booth quite a bit. Uh, but it was cool to bring Jimmy on, actually, because Jimmy's been announcing at all the Outdoor Nationals last year, so it kind of just makes sense to just keep him going. Yep. And uh, since he's not on the phone, I don't want to say to his face, but he did a really good job. I wouldn't compliment him direct. but Yeah, no, of course not. Um, he was close to being the only uh, uh, pro or ex-pro, however he wants to classify himself, a uh, rider that can actually do the regular announcing part, like not just the analysis part. Yeah. Yeah, he can, uh, he can do the back and forth. Yeah, he can actually do like play-by-play, so to speak. Right. Um, so it was good to have him there. Um, just, I know that when you went, you were just truly and completely in the trenches as a mechanic. There's probably yep. no bright side to that. No, I had uh, no fun. No fun, really. No, it, that probably is no fun. But what we do is both super hard, and then the next moment it's unbelievably hilarious. I mean, we had... Some great, great moments. I'll just give you one example. I mean, I cannot believe after about a dozen years of doing this, we still keep finding new things. But Georgia Lindsay stole the uh, coffee maker from one of the vendor stands. So we had coffee in the tower one day. And then she also filled an entire styrofoam cup with sugar, an entire styrofoam cup with creamer, like dried creamer. So Kevin Kelly says, uh, looks at the cup of creamer, and it looks like it's just filled with cocaine. <laughs> right, and he's like, he's like, oh, one of the uh, Mexican cartel of riders obviously has uh, paid off the announcers here with a giant thirty-two ounce styrofoam cup of coke. <laughs> so, uh, Ehab, who's the sound guy, uh, was out of the booth at that time. So we actually put a bunch of it on top of his mixing board, and then I took a credit card and we cut it up in the lines. <laughs> nice. And then we have a camera that's in the booth for that racer TV show, so we aim the camera at it. And then we just kept saying all day, we don't know what's up with Ehab. He's in and out of the booth. He's acting all weird. I don't know what the deal is with this guy. He's been working the amount of hours he's working. Maybe it's broken him down. He just doesn't seem to sleep. And I don't know why that cracked us up so bad. So bad, yeah. All that stuff in between the motos that keep you sane. Right. Yeah, they pretty much let you guys just say anything you want. Like, nobody monitors this. We've never... Not one time I've had anyone say, hey, you guys are going too far. Not the bosses or any of the um, you know people at the ranch. And people are listening because they all have the radio station on in their motorhomes. Right. And right. people, even when we're making fun of dudes, like we, this guy, Jay Wagner, he's part of like the Red Bud gang. And he took a dude out last year to try to win a title. Mm-hmm. So he became Body Bag Wagner. And they were just, Jimmy and Kevin were relentless on him. And... um and he started calling himself Body Bag, like he loved it. So right, right. It just right. works there. Like like doing this podcast, we can just do stuff on this that we can't do, yeah. you know, in a magazine. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, it's good. Yeah. Um, yep. 
So, okay, the, the let's well, let me get something off my chest here because oh, uh, here we go. I'm tired of and I, I probably oh. did this last year and I probably did the year before. I'm tired of these people complaining about these vet guys showing up. Buddy Antonez, Nathan Ramsey, Mike Brown swept it. Six moto wins for Mike Brown. And we'll talk more about Brownie and his racing and everything else. But like there's been rules changed. Um, plus 35, you're allowed. You can't be in there if you score points or, or you race pro or something like that. There's a class for you there. Mike Brown's 46 years old, lining up in the plus 25 class. Okay, so he's lining up against a guy's 20 years younger than him. Uh, plus 40, um, you know, it's, it's full of ex-pros. And there's still people complaining nonstop every year on my Twitter, uh, on email, everywhere else about these guys showing up. And it just pisses me off because, first of all, like, it's over, Mr. Vet Guy. You're not getting a factory ride from the ranch results. You're not getting anything. Nobody cares how you do at this race. So, there we go. That's for one. So, it doesn't matter that Mike Brown and Nathan Ramsey and Buddy Antonez and John Gruy beat you. 51-year-old John Gruy beats you. Um, they're just like you. They like to race motorcycles. They don't do it for a living anymore, and they want to have fun racing at the premier amateur race in the year. Stop complaining. If if you want to go in a class that you don't need to, you know, that you don't need to race against these pros that you're scared of, there is plus thirty to line up. Go in there. There'll be none of these guys in there. So there's even a class made for you people, and you people are still bitching. I do not understand it. Are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you. That's that's the thing I think people maybe don't know because they just see that Mike Brown wins and they're like, that's unfair, but they maybe don't know that they basically designate two age classes for guys that have never scored points and then two classes where you can have scored points. Right? So they tried to balance it as best they could and be like, yep. that, that's why Brown that's why Brown had, to, Brown had to race 25 plus at 46 years old Yeah, because he's not allowed to race um, 35 or 30. Um, so they tried their best to split it in half. So out of these four classes, we'll let two be available for guys that have scored points and two be available for those that have not. Um, any of those dudes that are complaining that the regular Joe amateur guy can't win a title, you know, that sounds like a very giving thing and a very nice moral thing to say. But the only reason those dudes care is because they just want to win a title individually for themselves. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No. They just they know that this is their chance to maybe win an AMA title or get on a podium or even qualify. You know, Ramsey and Antonis and Brown end up taking three spots on the gate away from dudes that are going to qualify. But that's just all you trying to help yourself. That's where all that comes from. Um, Which it is, doesn't do with the race yeah. or the integrity of the race. It's just some guy wants to be able to know this is his chance to win a title. And, and by the way, yeah. really, what is the difference between saying, what the hell, I have to beat Mike Brown to win this title, compared to saying, you know, 16 years ago, dude, I raised 125 schoolboy, but I got to beat James Stewart to win this title? Yeah. Is it like, it is the best of the best. It's not going to be easy to win any class because in the A class, they're not pros yet. But what if you got to race Trey Kennard? Or what if you got to race Ryan Villapoto or Michael Essie? You know what I mean? Like, all the classes at Loretta's, you have to race somebody really good. Maybe he's not officially a pro yet, but he will be in one week. And John Gruy is is 20 years older than you, Mr. Plus 25, and same with Mike Brown. So, And they're still beating your yeah. ass. So, And also, you have classes you can enter. 
if you're a vet yeah. guy that you if you yeah. choose to not race against these ex pros but big name guys, I I don't understand these people. It boggles my mind. It's like, and also too like. It's over, bro. You're not getting anything from your win. Nobody's calling you up. It's it's over. Yeah, they're not doing it for that. They're doing it, you know, to, this is my chance to win a title. And like I said, I think a large majority of the people complaining do not realize, oh, I didn't know out of the out of these, you know, um, six vet classes or five, that Brown's not even allowed to compete in two of them. There are actually rules that keep him out of 30 and 35. I don't, I don't think people necessarily realize that. They just saw him win, and they're just like, what's he doing here? Do you um, do you hear complaining at the ranch itself? Do you hear different guys complaining about it? Or is not it just- uh, where I am, because I'm on the infield, and it's all the industry dudes that know how the rules work. Um, but it clearly must be enough, because Brown, who, as we know, is not a crap talker, you know, as a... Yeah. On I mean, the track he'll he'll break your legs. We and just smile. we tried to uh, yeah. we tried to get him to talk about 2001, and it and it boiled down to being that he said everybody was just racing hard. <laughs> yeah, like Langston tried to take me out, and I thought it was awesome. Right, pretty much attitude. Right, but even Brown, not a talker, not a big social media guy, he had to say in the podium. You know, I know that people on social media and comments have been going crazy, and they're not happy that I'm out here. So it must be big enough that Mike Brown who. Barely pays attention to that stuff. Yeah. You don't escape him. Um, I will say there's there's one thing about the Brown situation that I did feel is a little different because this has been going on forever. Yeah. You know, Mark Barnett's won a title there. Mm-hmm. Emig, Carmichael, it, it's gone on since the day the event started. Like literally the year the event started, yeah. they had X Pros uh, winning these titles. One thing that was a little different was Brown was asked by Husky to race it. Like, and, put it on a pitch. As was Nathan Ramsey by KTM. Yes, yes. And I I mean, I don't think it's enough to make it, like, illegal. I don't think you can make a rule saying what was your intent. Like, did your bosses tell you to do it, or did you decide to do it for fun? You can't make a rule to determine that. But I felt like that was a little different. Like, if uh, Jeff Emig's got that old feeling again, and he wants to go race somewhere, you know, good for him. But... It rings a little differently to me when a manufacturer is saying, we want to win this. I don't think they wanted to win it to brag, uh, you know, hey, Husky won a championship. I think it was more like, this will be cool and fun, and it'll get some attention, it'll get people talking. I don't think it was going to be a Mike Brown win ad. Yeah. But um, to me, it does seem a little different uh, when when they're actually being dispatched into the classes. Oh, Weege, look who we have on the line now. Top Jimmy managed to make the pod. Wow. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jimmy, for coming on board. Appreciate it. Nice job announcing all week. I didn't watch all the motos, but I watched the, a lot of the vet ones that involved uh, our, all of our buddies. But anyways, Jimmy, so I think it's ridiculous. These people are upset about Mike Brown riding, and so does Weege and Nathan and Buddy and all these guys, John Gruy. There's a couple of vet classes that aren't that don't allow these guys in it, and you can sign up for that, but yet people are still complaining. And as Weege said – Mike Brown even mentioned something on the podium, but what do you what do you make of this, Jimmy? Because hey, you might go back and race it one day. Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's completely cool. It's not a big deal at all. Like, I do I do think it'd be cool if he would have gone out there and raced uh, the one pro sport class. I think that would have been exciting to watch. But mm-hmm. like, I don't know, who cares? If you get to watch Mike Brown race, it's awesome. Yeah. I think it's good for everybody else. But I see what you're saying, I, and honestly. I think Mike probably, you know, probably wanted to just kind of keep sponsors happy and everything too by still being on the bike. I know he's not wasn't completely out of it this year, mm-hmm. so 
you never know what the underlying reason is, but it was great to see Mike Brown back at the races again. Uh, Jimmy, he swept all his motos, which isn't a huge surprise, but he worked, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, he worked everybody in all of his motos as well, besides winning them, and he got just about every hole shot also, it looked like, like, just domination, right? Yeah, it was, he was dominated for sure, but at the end of the day, like, I don't think that Nathan Ramsey was 100% prepared for the event. And, yeah, I think, like, Nathan Ramsey hadn't raced in so long or really who knows how much he didn't practice during the week. So I think if you would have gave – I think if Nathan Ramsey would have put a more solid effort in and then, you know, next year, who knows who could show up in the plus 25 class. You know, I, I don't know. It's, there's always seemed to be one guy. I mean, they want to complain about Mike Brown, but if you guys don't recall, Ricky Carmichael raced that damn class not too long ago, you know? Oh, yeah. No, a lot of guys so, have. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah. Um, did you have fun, Jimmy, down there working all week? Like, we just a veteran already of this. Did you have? Uh, do you have a good time? Yeah, no, I had an amazing time out there. It was completely incredible. And um, I mean, everybody. Obviously, I'm talking to Weed. Weed's going into the event, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's awesome." But we just thinks everything's awesome, right? Yep, true. And uh, so going into the event. I was talking to everybody else, and they were like, are you kidding me? You're going down there for a week? Are you crazy? And man, I got there, and that is, like, one of the funnest weeks I've ever had at a race, was going there and not racing and announcing it and Hanging watching out. all the new up-and-coming kids. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, I, I enjoyed going to that more than pro national. Wow. You hear that, Weege? So. More than a national. Dude, it's more fun. Right. There's no doubt. Uh, I mean, you don't get those kind of laughs and, and, and that relaxed atmosphere. Uh you just know when it's a pro race, you better be dead serious. Uh, here, it's kind of just hanging out, and they give us a microphone while we're doing it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I don't know if I've ever laughed as hard as I did when Kevin Kelly was, you know, doing his typical thing and with Jason, and, like, we had such funny back and forth going on. It's like sometimes I didn't, I couldn't even talk without laughing. So, uh, <laughs> no, it was, it was so much fun all day, and it's like, especially some of the classes that, you know, maybe weren't as covenant going in, you know, just having a lot of fun announcing them and with some of the riders, it, it was good. Right. Now, uh, the big winner, Weege, Justin Cooper of the uh, Cycle Trader Rock River team, um, and uh, it was announced that he's going to ride for Star Racing. That's That was the guy this week uh, down there? Yeah, so we got to attack this from a couple angles, and I'm actually going to swing it to Jimmy on the first part. The first part everyone's going to want to know is, is this guy, like, legitimately good? I mean, that's what – most fans are following pro racing only. So what they really want to know from Loretta's is, okay, if he's designated as this year's star, mm-hmm. is he going to make an impact on the pros? And I will swing it to you, Jimmy, because I believe that you and everyone who I consider an expert that watched him ride thinks this is pretty legit, and it's not just like it was a week he got lucky or anything like that. People seem to really be impressed with this guy. Yeah, I think you got to look at a lot of different things when you're looking at if a rider's going to excel at the next level. And if I took the, all the racers out and I just watched him ride around that track, I could watch him and say, man, this kid's got serious skill. And a lot of times there's kids that have won that award in the past that if you watch them just on everyday riding, you're not that impressed. But that guy, he had serious bike skills. And not only that, but he was so consistent. I mean, he fell in the beginning of, uh, I believe, the first moto or had a bad start in another one. But other than that, like, when he was up and rolling past the first lap, I have never saw him make one mistake. 
he was flawless all weekend. Then, and I, I don't know. I mentioned it a, a bunch of times. Like you watch him ride, and it it looks like the bike's not even working, and he's not even working. It's like he's almost floating across the bumps, and I don't know, almost like a Christian Craig style, but a little bit smaller. Mixed mixed kind of in with Justin Co- or uh, Cooper Webb, mm-hmm. ironically, is who he reminded me of. So, yeah, it was cool. Um, and I so he, I think he's gonna do good at Unadilla. I I said eight ten at Unadilla. All right, Weege, what do you think? The one question I think everybody really has coming out of this is he looked more impressive on a 450 than a 250, and he knew that he had to prove in the 250 class that he could be that good because that's where he's going to be the next couple of years. You just have to. Um, yeah, I could see him running top 10. I don't know if you're necessarily going to see like Bogle and some of these guys did where they were literally out there battling for a podium right off the bat. Uh, to me, this guy is more of a, a gamer, more of a long-term thing, and I just think down the road he's going to end up being good. The first race, uh, I don't even know if it's going to be that great um, because I don't think that's his deal necessarily, The just coming in like a house of fire like some of these kids did. But that's better in the long run. What's intriguing about this guy's whole story is I cannot understand how in this day and age of training camps and kids being signed to five-year deals long before they turn pro, mm-hmm and being paid as amateurs and all this. Somehow the star this year is a guy who was going to regular high school a year ago, but graduated as a senior from public high school, didn't ride during the winters because he's from not upstate New York, but freaking Long Island where they don't even have any tracks. Somehow this slipped through the cracks. And I keep saying it. The teams are trying harder and harder to sign dudes earlier and earlier and groom them younger and younger at these training facilities and, and get them down where they can ride full-time. Mm-hmm. But we are not seeing proof at the pro level that that is ultimately what works. We're seeing the guy who was always second at Loretta's or the guy who couldn't ride all the time, the guy who didn't have any money growing up. They continue to be the success stories. And this guy is like the ultimate. I mean, this is a really crazy way to come through the ranks, and we're going to see if that actually works. But I think for the future, this guy's going to be – uh, pretty pretty special. He's not just the standard cookie cutter. Uh, he kicked butt on mini bikes, rode at a training facility, and is really fast at sixteen. Guy, yeah, totally different. I think, uh, but it might be better. I think I like this kid already. I think I like this kid already. Uh, uh, I might I might jump on board because of all what you said. So, um, hey, uh, so, I just yeah. I just like the simple fact. I like the simple fact that I've never heard anybody really hyping him up. I've never heard that he's a punk or he's hyping himself up. He's just, like, doing it, you know? I mean, yeah. like like we said, going through in high school last year, he's got – he probably understands a lot more about life in general right. when you are put in the real world and you're going to high school with kids and you have to learn to fit in and stuff. And I think that goes a long way. And I could just – I never really had a chance to sit down and talk with the kid, so I don't know, but – Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just like the way it sounds. I think this could be a really good thing for star racing for years to come. Weege, I was following social media a little bit on this kid. Is there a little bit of controversy on what team he rides for and what's going on with him or something? <laughs> like, what What was the deal? <laughs> yeah, more bad. than a little. So, um, <laughs> we were trying to follow the bouncing ball all week. It kept changing. So, he was a – the amateur guys for Yamaha generally ride for Rock River. Uh-huh. Now – Star Racing has been doing what all the teams are doing, and they've started to fuck an amateur or two up, just like all the other brands do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's KTM riders and there's Troy Lee riders. There will be a Honda guy, but then there will be a Factory Connection, which is Geico guy. Um, 
so Talon Tennant was the guy that Star had picked. He was Star's guy. Yep. Talon Tennant, not Justin Cooper. Uh, so after Cooper wins his first Moto of the Week, Star owner Bobby Regan works his way to the podium, and he's like, we just signed him. That's my guy. My guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wow, is that like, can we talk about this? And he's like, oh, yeah, say it on the mic. Bring him up. Bring him up on the podium. And let's say it. Come on now, Weege. He's on my back. My guy. So, my guy. I mean, we're not going to pass an opportunity to break some news no. right there on the first day of racing. Yeah. So we bring him up on the podium, and Justin Cooper is like, I don't I don't know. I'm kind of been hit by surprise. Like, I don't think he was expecting to be announcing this, so he didn't know what to say. Right. Uh. So then it's like, hey, I'm going to Unadilla to race for Star Racing. Yeah. So no more than two hours later, the Rock River guys come down, and Donnie Luce from Yamaha is involved. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. It's not really how it goes. Like, this week, he's an amateur. He's still on Rock River. He'll have Rock River graphics at Unadilla. That's the way the contracts are. So Bobby you know, Bobby went rogue. Yeah. Bobby went rogue. Oh, uh, Bobby exactly. did go Bobby rogue. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but... You know what's funny is that makes me feel better that that was said because I, I I came in on Tuesday afternoon. I must have missed some of that. And I was like, I announced him as riding for Star at Unadilla because that's what I'd heard. So I'm glad that at least at one point in time everybody thought that, not just me. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know, guys had to come and correct it. I said that when Duke. Uh, go on. I'm talking over now. Yeah, let's let's. Well, let's... I think the Yamaha guys had to correct it because everybody thought like you did. They're like, okay, it's done. He's on Star Racing, and then I'm sure Rock River sponsors were like, wait, 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 what? No, he's not on Star Racing. He's with us. Yeah, if I'm if I'm Donnie Luce and Rock River, I'm like, WTF, bro? Like what? <laughs> yeah, and that's the funny thing. I said it right in front of the uh, Duke closest in the tower, and that's when I said it. Oh, <laughs> you know, geez. and I'm like, okay. oh, I'm an idiot. So. Jeez. So he's going to ride with Rock River Graphics at Unadilla in the last three. Is that the that's the so that's the new plan? That's a compromise here. I believe he will be on a star bike under the star tent, but with Rock River Graphics. I think is what they came up with. Oh jeez. We'll oh man. We'll see. <laughs> so what happened? Um, so so yep. and again, following this via social media and a little bit of text and stuff. So this Chalen Tenet, Chalen Tenet, is he just garbage now? Is he is he yesterday's news? Did he not have a good week? Or what happened? Uh, he's gone, and I was I was told not even uh, not just because of Loretta's. Um, I guess they weren't planning on keeping him anyway. Oh, which, okay. I don't know what the social media outcry was, or maybe there was, and maybe we were just talking about it. Like that sounds harsh, but I'm not going to complain about it though, because one of the things that disappointed me about uh, the amateur scene in general and Loretta's the last few years is. The amount of times here's a story I always tell. So we had this race was live on NBC a couple years ago. Yep, yep. And the stars that year were Covington, Bashalia, and McElrath. It was supposed to be AC and Webb, but they both raced Hangtown, so they were already gone. And then Bashalia, McElrath, and um, Hampshire too. Covington I think are the guys. Hampshire is in there too. I think uh, that was the next year. Okay, that was the next. Year. My bad. Yeah. So. For the NBC Live Red Bull show, I want quotes from these guys to say how important this race is. And all three of them were like, nah, not important. Feels already locked in. Doesn't matter. Means nothing. And I'm like, come on. Like, pick some ball here. Like, seriously? Yeah, right. Well, it wasn't locked in. Because when did Covington ever race for Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki? He never did. Mm-hmm. So these deals are not locked. And I'm glad to hear they're not because, to me, like, the amateur teams are supposed to be testing you to see if they really want to take you to the next level. And as soon as you 
don't do well there and there's no penalty for it, to me it kind of defeats the whole purpose of signing a guy. Like, you have to actually do well. So not about this is not about challenge tenant specifically, but I'm glad to know this process is not yeah. like you can be as good or bad as you want. You're still going to get uh, rewarded um, um, just and in general. And didn't Tenet have a little bit of controversy the last little while over, over different things he did at an amateur level? Some some arena crossing. I don't know exactly. I don't know if you know, Timmy, but I know there was a big Instagram yeah. big hubbub. And I don't know. That, Star was very adamant that he was not off the team because of Loretta. So maybe that was it. Right. So we, we, we know about Cooper and, you know, we know about talent or Chandler Tennant and all that. Um, like McElrath a few years ago or like um, whoever, somebody you can else, you can tell me, who who showed up and, and really put themselves on the map this week in any class? Who showed up? Who impressed you? Who got support if there was anybody like that? Somebody who came out of nowhere and, and really uh, opened everybody's eyes. Was there a guy like that this year? Well, it's really weird this year. There is a, a extremely unique situation in the amateur ranks right now where the Masterpool family has two kids that are very good. We know that they have a unique situation because Jesse Masterpool, who is a great amateur, ended up dying at an amateur race years ago. And the family is still racing with their other two brothers, and the other two brothers are very good. But uh, I don't think that the, the – I don't know exactly what the parents' plan is, but they're definitely not in the fast track to do get them in a factory bike, get them in the Supercross ASAP. They're very tentative about everything, uh, which is understandable. But it's getting harder to be tentative because their kids are too damn good. So Jake Masterpool, he might have won one of the A classes. Uh, there was one in the final motor where Cooper had a terrible start, and he had a shot at it, but then he ended up crashing too, but he mm-hmm. might have won. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's definitely got talent. He's definitely got skills. Uh, he's on a Suzuki right now, and as we know, Suzuki's program is starting to come together, but it's not. It's nothing is uh, set yet, you know. So maybe he's a JDR 250 guy in a year or two, but it's kind of an unknown right now how fast the parents want him to graduate and what they want him to do. I've heard rumors that they don't even really like Supercross, but what are you going to do? You got to race Supercross. You have yeah, to. Yep. Um, then well, his younger brother, you don't, I, you don't have to because Covington proved you 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 know that you don't have to, but. Well, right, but, I mean, these teams are going to go after it. These guys got talent. You know, Covington, in the end, didn't get the Mitch Payton ride. Not that he didn't want it. He just didn't get it. Yeah. But here, teams are going to be coming after these kids because they're legit good. So, then he's got a younger brother, Ty, on mini bikes, and he won both super mini classes. On a TM. Jimmy or anyone that's there will tell you, like, he was phenomenal. He's always been good, but this was, like, next level. So, if you win both super mini classes down there, you're a made man. It's done. Like, you're going to have four or five teams coming after you to race big bikes. And I just don't know if it works that way with them or if they want it or what they're looking for. All I keep hearing is from multiple sources, like they don't race a lot. They, a wheeler from Suzuki even told me that they asked him, should we race? Do you need us to race Loretta's? This is for the older brothers on Suzuki. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, you kind of <laughs> got to race Loretta's. You can't not race all year. Yeah. So I don't know what their master plan is, the kids are good, but I just don't I, – I have no idea how this is going to go. It's a very unique situation, and it's all understandable. But uh, master pools, figure out next. Master pools, master plan, question mark. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. he was on a TM, the younger one, super mini kid. Yeah, and I don't know what that's all about either. Right, um, right. Like, what, I don't, I don't what? know. It, it's not – I'll put it this way. I don't think it's like 
PM coming in and spending tons of money and signing this kid and saying, we're coming on strong and we're going to start here. I, I think it's a little weirder than that. Um, may, maybe it's a way of them like not say, like, yeah, we're not interested right now. We're just going to do our own thing. Mm-hmm. But it's just very unique. Um, so that makes it hard to, to gauge. Everybody else is kind of already locked up, signed up to, to a degree. The, the other big star is Garrett Marchbanks in the B ranks, but that's not a that's not an unknown. That's a guy that everybody knew would be good. He's like the next Forkner for Cowie. And he, he lives up to the hype. He won both of his titles. So he's the next guy behind. Because I wonder, is there Justin Cooper who will debut this weekend at Unadilla? I would not be shocked at all if March Banks races for Pro Circuit at Hangtown next year. I wouldn't be surprised. Jimmy, what do you think of Weege, Time Master Pool, TM, Super Mini Kid? Uh, you agree with what he was saying? Yeah. Um, he is he's a rocket out there. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody on a mini bike corner the way he does. Like it's unbelievable. But yeah, I, I don't know really what their strategy is. Like, um, cause Jake, his older brother, he's amazing as well. He's a great rider, but there's really not like, I don't really know their goal or their plan. Is it to sign a deal with the team to go race supercross or is it, you know, Mm-hmm. Their their view on the sport is a little bit different. Almost like they're not in it to succeed at the sport that's available. They're in it to try to change the sport to what they want it to be. And it's like nice people, nice family. But, um, and that's the thing. Like, and I, I think Weege and I were talking about it. This sport's just not safe. You know, that's part. That's why what makes it so fun and so great and so gritty. You know, it's like. Mm-hmm. It's gnarly, and that's just something you have to accept. But I think that a tie, there's no doubt in my mind that there's his phone's blowing up right now. Well, the one, the older one, uh, went to Bercy last year and raced Lil. Uh, Eric Pennard brought him over, and uh, I watched really? him there. And I was wondering, okay, so is he going pro now, or what? You know, what is the next step for these guys? And then, so it's interesting that Weed, you said that about him because I was like thinking that he was well on his way, showing up at Lil and racing. So yeah, keep an eye on these people. But then I, I, I do know for sure that that they were kind of, they're like out on the whole Monster Cup idea, you know. So that that yeah. uh, that kind of surprises me. Huh. Interesting. Uh, Weed. So. But, but yeah, like I was saying before, in that in that side of it, the great family, great kids, hardworking kids, just kind of don't know where they stand, you know. Right. So Wygant, you. You've been to the ranch a number of years now, obviously, and you've seen Suzuki come and go, Cole Grass, amateur program, pushing dudes out. You've seen no Suzukis. Uh, I wanted to ask you about this because it just got brought up. I talked to Chris Wheeler from Suzuki about this, and he's been working on him and the brand have been working hard to you know, push Suzuki's onto the amateurs and build them up and therefore build the pro the pro program up and everything else. What did you think, Weege? Is Suzuki back? Are they kinda back? Are they coming back? This is this is what they needed. I think they finally have answers. I was joking with Wheeler all week that pretty much all anything he's been able to say for the last eighteen months is I don't know yet, we're trying to figure it out. I get a different event. <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. So gotta uh, just to have clarity, just to say Yes, here's what we're doing. JGR is going to run our 250 and 450 team. So if you're an amateur, like, there was no way forward with Suzuki because they didn't even have a 250 team up until last year. Some other guy some other guy ran it. I don't know. It ran, 
Team yeah, <laughs> ran, ran it into the ground. <laughs> ran into the ground. Terrible yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, here's the thing. Like Wheeler, he all he has all good intentions. He wants to make this happen, and and he's really passionate about it. And I think eventually everything will fall in place, like he wants it to fall in, into place. But it's just it's hard to process, man. Especially, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're with their 250 being what it is to try to get a lot of performance out of it is hard. I, I will say this, that that Suzuki 250 is a very, very reliable motorcycle. You can ride it for days in, days out. And Suzuki's used to not be reliable. They used to break all the time. Like in 08, when I rode the Suzuki 250, it was a mess. And when we this last year on, or 16, when we had the team, man, we rode those bikes. We put so many hours on, they were so reliable. Or even when we were riding the Yamahas, yeah, those Yamahas, they're freaking horsepower-making machines, and they, they do a lot of things good. But one thing we were having problems with was losing engines. Yeah. And we never had that problem. But I think for a entry-level rider, the Suzuki's a great bike, but, man, it is very hard to make fast. And that's that's the um, kind of Achilles heel well, for Suzuki right now. I think they're working on that soon, maybe next year, 19 or whatever. But at least, the, so at least w- they were rudderless for support for a long time. And sounds like Wygant, they're, they're, they, got, uh, they got a ship now. They got a rudder and a ship. Yeah. And, you well, know, yeah. even when we had when, – when I was on the um, Pulp show the other day and Albert came on, mm-hmm. I mean – he was kind of making it sound like they were still they were still pretty up in the air about working with Suzuki next year, when you know not but four days later it's announced that they're the, going to be the factory program to run both. So. Yeah, yeah, I think J Bone just couldn't say anything at that at that time, but yeah, it sounds like. Yeah. Thanks to Fly Racing and Alpine Star Protects for coming on this podcast. Now here's some commercials from Race Tech and Michelin. Listen, all right, thanks. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on Racer X. I want to talk to you a little bit about Race Tech. The folks at Race Tech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PulpMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right. If, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Race Tech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Race Tech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Racetech doing engines now, valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Racetech's engine services department, experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Racetech a call and mention Pulp Mex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech. Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hit a motocross stuff. 
Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting, always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet... You're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows? They might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. It sounds like Wygan, everything's working. It, it's going forward. Well, just to be able to go to, let's say Jake Masterpool does want to turn pro right. or next year, to be able to say, well, here's how it works with us. You know, you ride an amateur bike for a year, and then this is our 250 Pro team. I mean, Jimmy, even you, I mean, you signed guys on your own. It wasn't like you had Suzuki's amateur arm feeding riders. But so oh, they finally no. got that going again. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. But like like there were so many good kids at the at the amateur nationals this past weekend that they could pick up on that have nothing. Right. But it's just my opinion. I mean, who do you think Weeds like looking down the line of guys that you know probably don't have the support they need? Suzuki would maybe want to go after. I'm curious. Um, there's a kid in the B class, Seth Hamaker, who's not wasn't quite as good as March Banks, but he won a moto. He won a super mini title last year. Um, he's on Team Green. But, you know, March Banks is their big name. So I wonder if there's a guy like that. And I think he's another one who he, he's from Pennsylvania, and he actually still lives in Pennsylvania. Um, I think there's guys like that that you can go out and, and uh, get. But the problem is these days, these teams are so good at fighting. I mean, if you do good, you're going to have Geico Honda, Star Racing, and Team Green and KTM all over you. They're, they find it quick. So Suzuki's got to get that program going. Um, because they don't leave any diamonds in the rough anymore. Um, how about yeah, this? But... How about this? Uh, why, why, Gant? There's a couple of guys. They're already on Suzuki's. Karsten and Antones. I liked what mm. I saw from them. Um, <laughs> they were they were a little older gentlemen, but um, their names are familiar, and I like what I saw. What did you? But but Weege, who was the standout Suzuki rider in the plus class? Oh, body bag Jay Wagner. Body bag. Oh, Wagner. oh yeah. Yeah. Take the dudes out. And Wheeler did joke that uh, the only class Suzuki really seems to be able to dominate is the 45, 50-plus type ranks. They had <laughs> lots of riders out there, lots of Suzuki <laughs> filling the podium. I watched, uh, the Moto, I watched Moto 2 of the plus 40, and, we, you, and I love how the, like, you think, well, I can't, just like I do, uh, which I, is maybe why we're friends. But um, I love the fact that immediately I was thinking the contrast between Barry Karsten and Buddy Antones in 1988 
1990 or whatever year you want to make it. And the fact that they're back at the ranch now, and you picked up on that, and I love the fact that you did. Like, one guy was SoCal, factory superstar. One guy was the privateer hero, never got any support. And here they are, you know, 27 years later (laughs) at the ranch. Uh, yeah, and that's why, and that's why we love having those dudes there. Same thing with Ramsey and Brown. Like, we all have these stories, and it's only going to be what three or four guys out of the entire forty-some in the class. Like, that's such good entertainment. I mean, Jimmy seeing Karsten and Antonez battle, and it wasn't even for the lead. It was like these horrid <laughs> battles for serve. And you guys were Just laughing comedy. You guys were laughing the whole time. It was great. Dude, the, the the battle though of the like or the person that I enjoyed watching the most all weekend was Buddy Antonez. Budman was, and it wasn't the plus twenty five. You could tell he's like, all right, this is this isn't the one for me. But plus forty class, and we you you'll remember the battle. Him and John grew. They were going at it one moto, and then Budman coming down the sign wall. Just he just decides I'm not shutting off until my wheels in front of. John Grooves and he that he just plows into him at the end of the sidewall and <laughs> off the bike, you know, crashes and oh man, it was just so cool to see. Like you could tell Buddy Antonez going in was probably like, Yeah, I say go out and ride and have fun, but then it just like some mental thing clicks and he's out for blood against John Groove and Barry Karsten and all the plus forty guys. It was it was awesome. Well, you can't, yeah. The fact that the arena cross, you know, that's what Buddy's most known for. And then he, his week did feature an arena cross-like moment. Um, <laughs> and then Gruy ended up crashing, and then Carson ended up beating them both. I mean, yeah. seeing those guys battle, it was just pure comedy because it doesn't mean anything. It's no. just fun. No. Yeah. And it's just great, though, yeah. the fact that, you know, they had such oh. divergent pro careers. <laughs> and, and, you know, Barry still riding Suzuki, and Budman is back, and, oh, it's great. I love it. Yes. You tell anybody in 1988 that these two would end up being the exact same speed and battling. Like, Antonis was like, the guy. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. He was the superstar at the ranch, right? And Barry's just Barry. He just trucks along. Who knows how old Barry is? Who knows what Barry's deal is? But Barry just keeps trucking. He he just just never gives up. Um, some guy, you know, some guy told me he saw Barry washing his radiator louvers in the creek while the kids were playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I love it. Um, you know what's funny is though, but um, we'll go off the Buddy Barry thing here after or after I say this. But man, there'd be times when Buddy Antonez was not even in the camera shot. Like, where's Buddy? Oh, Barry's dropping Buddy, or or John Grew, he's dropping Buddy. He's Buddy's gonna be fading back. And it's not that two corners later, he is going for a full dive on the pass. Like, I don't know where he was grabbing this speed at, but he must have been hitting certain sections faster than Mike Brown. Yeah. Because he was out of it and then straight back into it. It was so cool. Um, what about, hey, talk about Brown. What about his starts, too? Just phenomenal. Every moto I watched, unbelievable starts. Yeah, there was one I watched. I was on the podium uh, interviewing the previous moto. And I'll like sneak a look over and watch the next gate take off. And he had, I'm not kidding, his rear tire was over the gate by the time everyone was still about halfway through. He had a, <laughs> a one bike length lead by the time he was over the gate. I don't even understand it. Um, uh, talking about the vet classes still, um, the heartbreak, well, I don't know what the heartbreak, but 
Uh, Parabinos, our buddy Paul Parabinos, uh, won a moto, was leading both motos when he went down off the start or shortly after, had the fastest lap times, I believe, in one moto, like, and, and this was in a plus 30, uh, and Paul was very, he, still, he said he is still angry about it, I talked to him last night, but uh, Parabinos definitely let one get away. Yes, yeah, no doubt. These guys are these guys are so hard on themselves though. It's crazy, man. Yeah, they, they do take it a little seriously. I will. I I mean, you spend a lot of money though. You put a lot of time in, so maybe that's yeah. what it was. But they do take it pretty seriously. Well, I'm not. I'm not even going to say that because I don't want to make that sound a negative way. But I'm just like, for it doesn't really. If like he's not getting a factory right at this, it's not going to affect his life. No, like it would have when he was racing there ten years ago. But it is amazing how hard those guys take it. Um, when they know they could have done better or screwed something up or their bike breaks. I mean, I saw Paul. I didn't, he didn't look very happy all week. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and Lars was there too. Lars from Honda there, another buddy. 6-7-6 six, six for him. Nice, consistent yep. day for, for Lars from yep. Honda. So, Weege, you posted a, uh, an Instagram photo today of uh, two guys named Ryder winning the classes. And do you want to take a look at some of those names? Like, besides the name Ryder, you know, like, that's – Ryder is already now a common name um, that's that's super weird. But do you want to take a look at some of these names? We got a uh, we got a guy named Colin, spelled C-O-L-L-O-N. Is that Colin? No, it's Colin. Uh, we got a – we got a, uh, a Tatum, a Trigger, Easton. Like, come on, everybody. Anyways, why well, can't uh, – that, that, that thing just made me – we're going to have a president named Trigger one day. Yeah. Well, my favorite still, he, he had some bad starts. He was coming through traffic, but he didn't hit the results he wanted. Diesel Thomas. Diesel. <laughs> Diesel. Went for it. And named him the ass. Jimmy. D- Diesel. Come on. Yeah, Diesel's pretty bad. And Trigger, you know he's going to be a Republican if he's going to be a president. With <laughs> yeah. a name like Trigger. <laughs> yeah. No. There's no doubt about that. Um, Seth Rarick, another guy that had some bad luck in the amateur, in the uh, vet, vet classes also. Um, yep. Hey, so how come – so Cooper Cooper was B-rider, right? Correct? No, he was A. Okay. Uh, All right, so what is the deal with when I – back in the day – the so out of touch. <laughs> no, the pro sport class was the one. What happened to the pro sport class? Why is that – You want to explain this, Wagon, or you want me to? What's the deal with, um, like, that not becoming the guy, the class now anymore, where it used to be? You, uh, you actually might know more about it than I do. Um, uh, as far as I know, it's because you can't do the – like, hey, Kevin Windham was going and got, like, a podium at High Point Pro National and was still racing Loretta's that year. Oh, and McGrath was there saying, okay. this, is, I, this is unfathomable. When Jeremy McGrath won the 1990 Vegas 125 Supercross, his lone pro win on Kawasaki, that got that race got rehashed over and over once he became the Cowie brand ambassador. And it was like, well, he did win his first 125 Supercross with Cowie. And yeah, they keep bringing this right. race up. Three months later, McGrath right. was at Breda's in the A-class, getting like fourth. Like, that's... That's like McElrath this year winning a bunch of races, and if he raced Loretta's this year. So I... I think that's just not allowed anymore. Like okay. they don't let you dabble in and out and still race Loretta's, I think. Yeah. Okay. I kind of, I kind of know the rules a bit on that. So yeah. it used to be when I was racing, they had 250A, 450A, 250 Pro Sport, 450 Pro Sport. 
And so there was four A classes. And then they, I think they, or four classes that if you were an A amateur, you could race. But the pro sport classes, if you raced professionally, you could go in and race at Loretta's in the pro sport class. Okay. And they dropped the, then they dropped one of the pro sport classes and made it open pro sport, 250A and 450A. So there was only one 250 class you could ride at Loretta's if you were an amateur coming through. And then there was a couple 450 classes. And, but in open pro sport, that was before you could ride the 250F in the 450 class. So in open pro sport, you were allowed to ride a 250 or a 450. Oh, okay. And then they, right. and then they end up changing that rule over to where now it is, there is only two pro classes at Loretta's, 250A and open pro sport. And 250A, you cannot race the 250A class at Loretta's um, at all if you were in a if you had qualified for a pro national or anything like that. But I believe you can still race the pro sport classes class as long as you have not scored like I think it's 25 points or more. You can still race the pro sport class the following year. Okay, I'm confused it's, a little bit because confusing. when it's you look at confusing. when you look at open pro sport from this year at the ranch, none of these guys had ever raced any pro races to my knowledge, and that's what it's kind of supposed to be. It's just turned into another no, but, amateur class. Okay, yeah, I don't know. So I, it's it's weird. It's a little bit confusing. Well, and then also too, like Joey Crown has raced pro in Canada, but he's also in 250A. So yeah, but if you ride the if you ride the 250F class in Canada, you can actually it used to be you could be a B rider and race in the well a in B, the 250 class. Well, a B rider in Canada, yes, yes, no, but I'm I'm talking yeah. about I'm talking about the difference between countries. So I looked at Joey Crown and I'm like, oh, because he raced pro in Canada, he has to ride Open Pro Sport, which he did, but he's also in 250A. I don't know. I'm just asking because. I, it seems like, Weege, it seems like different years, like all the B riders one year are better than the A riders, and they're going straight to the, they got the factory rides. Then the next year was the A riders. Then years ago, like I said, it was a pro sport class that you kept an eye on. It seems like the class, quote unquote, has changed in the last 10 years, a few times. Yeah, it has. And it's actually because of this, um, the, the, what, changed is the way the teams are treating the amateur riders. Okay. Uh, when Tomac, Eli Tomac coming in, not ever raced in the A-class, Tomac raced B at Loretta's, uh-huh. dominated, went to Hangtown the next year, and freaking won it. Once that model was set, and Barsha the year before it led, you know, the almost he didn't win Glen Helen okay. opener, but he led it. Yep. Those two guys and those two performances, I think, changed things. Where the guy moves into the big bikes, and he's so freaking good as a B-rider, they're like, we think his career would benefit more from racing 12 nationals before he starts Supercross than racing amateur at Loretta's, three nationals, and then Supercross the next year. So that has really become the model that everybody shoots for in an ideal scenario. So what that means is often the biggest star is a B rider because he's not coming back next year. And like I said, there's a chance that Garrett Marchbank does not. He wins B this year. Mm-hmm. And maybe Cowie says, you know what, we think you're better off racing 12 nationals next summer than racing Loretta's and only three nationals. So because of that program, which is the, what the teams decided is best for the riders, and it's been proven that it kind of is, uh-huh. um, some years you don't get big names in the A-class. Um, it okay. takes a situation like this Justin Cooper guy who was okay. a little bit different with his development yep. um, for it to work. Okay. All right. So it's a little bit. Yeah. It, it, 
it's just like Austin Fortner did. He we never saw him in the A class at Loretta. Right. Um, but yep. I, th- I think I think to kind of go back, what who paved the way for that really was Roger DeCoster with Ryan Dungey. Um, you know, there was the last class that Ryan raced at Loretta's was the 125 schoolboy class. And then the following year, they skipped to Loretta's to prepare for Millville. And Ryan actually rode the B class. Ryan never rode one amateur A event in his entire life. Yeah. Not even raced one amateur A race in his entire life. He went straight from the B class to pro. The last national that he raced was, I believe, Florida. Or no, sorry, not Florida. He raced um, the World Mini Grand Prix at Vegas in the B class. And then after that, moved up into the pro ranks. So I think that was kind of the gateway. But I can remember going back to where the the best of the best, like Davey Millsaps the last year, he went, he rode 125A and schoolboy mod. That was, wow, and so yeah, did yeah. Ryan right. Mills. Ryan Mills rode 125A school schoolboy mod hmm. before he moved up. And the Horizon uh, Award Stewart. winner. That's what Stewart did. Yeah, the Horizon Award winners, though, you know, which were Mills and Millsaps and Stewart, they all raced the schoolboy class and the A class that, late, that year. And that was when schoolboy was cut off at 12 to 15, not 12 to 16. Hmm. Um, One other thing that's muddied it, if you want to get that deep, is, uh, and this is going to make people listening puke, but some manufacturers don't have 125s anymore, and some do. So they have to dispatch them in different areas and different... It was easy when everybody made a 125 to say, our best dude, he's going to race 125 as a pro, so what are the two fast 125 classes we can put him in? 125 schoolboy and 125A. But now, it's a little bit jumbled. um, And also... Teams have different philosophies. Uh, Cowie likes to put all their riders in the same class and let them shoot it out to determine who's best. Right. Uh, and then let Mitch pick them. Other brands keep their guys separate so they can try to win more titles. So I think the majority of these changes are actually coming from the teams, how they want to uh, groom their, their riders. And then the rules right. eventually change to follow that. Um, Weege, did the Bakersfield kids, are they all on track? They're all looking good. They're all going to be amazing in a few years they're all still amazing now uh you can't guarantee any of the future but they're all still amazing now this dude jet reynolds was set to break like every record ever but then his bike finally broke in a moto he would have won two titles for the fifth year in a row mm-hmm. would have won 10 titles in five years which is unheard of never been done before ridiculous but his bike finally broke but um dude when guys do well like that young like, the very next question you get is well, what if they get burnt out and there's no proof that it works. No, no. Um, yeah, McGrath's old. McGrath's famous uh, statement: "You got ten years." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you're skipping, say, James Stewart and Ricky Carmichael, who did pretty darn good as pros, who pretty much won mm-hmm. at every class they were in. You know, you're, people conveniently skip those two, but uh, it's it truly seems like a fifty-fifty chance that if you're this good, this young, yep, uh, that it turns out awesome. And our buddy. I mean, our buddy AC screwed it up. I mean, he got hurt. I don't think he got burned out. But, you know, if Adam won, who won his first Supercross, if he had kept going and kept winning, uh, there would be a lot more proof that it's going to turn out okay. But he got off the rails because mm-hmm. he got hurt. So they can't even use that. That's He's probably used it as another example of it not working out right now. Yeah. I would almost I would almost say that Adam Cincerello reminds me a lot of, like, a young Justin Buckaloo. Like, I mean, he was so amazing in the amateur ranks. And then when he did come into pros, he came into pros 
injured like crazy. And then when he'd get healthy, we'd see him on the podium a couple times and then back to hurt again, just never could get underneath him. And then finally, nothing, you know. And, and same thing with Nico Izzy. I think Nico was one of those things that just kind of got a little bit too into the Cali scene. And, you know, when you have your father and your family around you all the time and then they disappear and leave, you really – that that transition's tough, you know, but yeah, I almost feel yeah, like Adam, there, there's almost there's three there's three pitfalls these kids can avoid. The one, Stroop, Stroop, Izzy, that kind of scene, falling into the wrong crowd, and and you know not doing the proper things. B injuries, A C and Buckaloo, or a C burnout. You know what I mean? Just uh, just getting burnt out yeah. from, from racing. There's three things that these that can set these kids back, and, and we've seen examples of all three. But like you said, Stu, I mean, look, Millsaps is going to go down as probably never winning a national championship. Uh, Michael Essie, never win a national championship. Um, but I would not call their careers failures at all in any sense no. of the way. They've made millions of dollars and podiumed and win and, and won and everything else. Josh Grant, same thing. Um, you know, so they didn't reach the – Pinnacle like RC and and Stu, but um, pretty damn nice careers that any one of us would would take. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a nice debate. It's a nice healthy debate. Yeah. I think we're talking about the big difference. picture. The goal is to make a living, right? Yep. And you yep. can't argue that Bill Saps didn't make a living, or uh, or okay. right now, I guess a guy you could look at is Barsha. Like, what's up with Barsha? He's not where he's probably was expected to be right now. He can't quite get it back on track. But if you told any of the parents of a 13-year-old racer right now, you're going to end up doing what Barsha did. Sure, they would rather have the success Ryan Dungey did, mm-hmm. but you can't argue that he made a living in the sport of motorcycling. No. Nope. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you won races at I a mean, premier level. You won races at a premier level. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah he wasn't a failure by any means. Yeah. And who knows what's Let's, left for him to do. He might get it back, but even yeah. right now, yeah. big picture, he's been good. Yeah, let's set the record straight, too. I mean, Millsap did win a championship. He won a 250 title in Supercross. I know it's not a quote-unquote national championship because it's split up into two, but yeah. you got to understand we are talking about riders moving up into the pro class. J.D. Millsap had to miss the first round of Supercross because he was too young to race it on the East Coast his first season. He actually had to, he couldn't race the first round because his birthday was the Monday or Tuesday after it. So these kids were so young getting into it. I mean, it seems like, doesn't it seem like Davey Millsaps? I mean, he's in my mind, he should be 40 years old right now, but he's only, (laughs) I believe he, I believe he just turned 30 years old in February. Yep. Yep. You know? And so these kids, (laughs) like you were saying about getting burnt out, if there was one kid that could have easily got burnt out and just quit early, mm-hmm. it would have been Davey Millsaps, and he hasn't. Right. Um, or Lessy, also. Let's give him some, some credit. Um, Weege, uh, before we wrap this up, the Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Alpine Star Protects, Jimmy Albertson, and Jason Wygant. Before we wrap this up, Weege, maybe um, what's the scuttlebutt on the motocross nations down there? What? I mean, I've been kind of tracking it from here and sending out texts and – this and that, and it seems like everybody doesn't know anything outside of Osborne. Yeah. Yeah, well, Mike from the AMA, who's kind of taken uh, Kevin Crowther's role. Kevin is the guy you usually see handing out the Supercross titles on the podium. Uh, Crowther's moved up, so Mike Pelletier is the new guy. So he's in on the process. I'm not going to say he's a decision maker, but he's certainly in on the process. And it's really just 
facepalm frustrating to see how it's going, you know, that, you know, by the end of the week, it's like, yeah, I think Cole Seeley. I think Cole Seeley, you know, and it's like, that's no offense to Cole Seeley, but Cole Seeley's, and I heard your podcast last week, you guys. I mean, it's any decision you make right now, these are not the guys you have on the list, you know, on January 1. Um, it's just bizarre that it's coming to this, that we're like, you know, is Pike better than Steely? And what about this guy in a 450, right. which he's never raced before? It's just amazing. Yeah. This is where we're at. Yeah, Plessinger got so asked. You- yeah, Plessinger got asked, and then he was thinking about it, and I guess they decided, no, you need surgery on your foot. So he's out. But I, I don't know. Yeah, where are we at, right, Jimmy? So where's is Zacho? Is Zacho racing? Well, Zacho's ready. Yeah, Jimmy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I didn't know. I've got this. I've got this theory in my head that after seeing Marvin's not racing for France, and then obviously Anderson's having surgery, that Alden Baker is rigging it so South Africa will win the motocross nation. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was my. That was my theory. Right. Right. I heard that Grant Langston was riding. I saw some photos. Um, and Albert Keane, he is actually. There's been some underground stuff here that he's getting ready. <laughs> so, and then obviously, you know, Tyler Rattray, and that's that's the big thing. Like, Olden Baker has completely dropped training his other kids, and he's especially focusing on Tyler to lead that South African team to a championship with him, Langston, and Albert team. Uh, poor Zacho, because Zacho has said that this is his dream to ride them for USA and motocross nations. And even Alden Baker was like, I don't know what's wrong with this kid, but this is something that he just cannot believe he gets the chance to do. He loves this event. He said he will, you know, would go no matter what. And in all the years, he finally is going to get this title or it looks really good for him to get this title. And he's looking around and there's just crickets going on around him. Poor, poor Zacho. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I mean, yeah. foreigners just don't get it right. We yeah, I'm with you, Steve. I mean, I think they need to, if they knew it would help as a leverage boot, to just say, we're not going to race this. You guys got to give us a concession. And the only concession they need is just to change the date. I'm not asking for Ustream to pay the money or start yeah. fees or anything like that. But say there's going to be some concession. But there's no guarantee that not showing up results in that. But uh, to me, if you could get that to move the needle, it would be worth not going just as like a, hey, can you work with us next year? Except Osborne becomes such a casualty. Yeah. Yeah. Which you got to feel bad for him. He wants it bad, and he'd probably do well. Yep. That sucks. So, yeah, I've heard it's Osborne in 250. Likely you'll see Colt Sealy in a 450, and they're still trying to figure out. I think it was going to be Plessinger. He's out now. Yep. I don't know what's left. Jeremy Martin on a 450. What's left? Uh, Pike, Bogle, J Mart. I don't know, yeah. man. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I'm Cooper. Mike just Brown. Mike Brown. Mike Brown would go. Mike Brown. Mike Brown did get screwed twice out of the Morecross Nations. He did. He's the Mickey he Diamond of uh, of the of modern era. So, um, yeah, we eventually I, I did get down to that type of conversation. Just the, you know, using amateurs like the uh, that's the way. Not yeah. that you wouldn't know this because you're an American, but that's the way Olympics used to work. Where yes. like yes, before the Dream Team, we had just college basketball players, yeah, and pros from other countries. Yep. So. Let's send March Banks, Ty Masterpool, and uh, Justin Cooper. Ty Masterpool and a super mini at TM. They probably get support. <laughs> um, and like the miracle all over again. Send Barry Karsten. Barry would suit up in a second. Barry would do it. Um, do they? I don't know the contingency. Yeah, that's true. No, no, no Suzuki contingency. <laughs> He's out. But I don't know with Zach I, and 
you were talking about not having a good team to go around Zach. Like, does he want to go over there and race motocross the nations? He still does. There's no doubt about that. But I think Zach wants to go over there. I could be wrong and speaking for him, but he wants to go over there because he wants to race against the GP groups. Like, I mean, yes, he wants to win the trophy at the end of the day, end of the weekend, but he wants to go over there and show those guys how much work and how much better he is since the last time they saw him race. Um, Hey, listen, I, I've gotten a little bit of flack for my stance, but I don't care, man. You can call. I'm not even American. And I really think that, that Team USA should be like, no, not going. Uh, and we, you know, you're not as harsh as me as far as, uh, you know, getting some help financially. Or, 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 or even one of my things was like, if you can guarantee that this race is in the USA every third year, you know, something like that. Um, but they, they need some help, man. It it's, doesn't work for our guys. And it's so obvious it doesn't work for our guys for so many reasons. And you can be like, oh, ugly American. Well, I'm not even American. I just, I get it, man. Help 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 America out. They're the stars of the race. And if, they, if you think they're not, then you've never been. And and help help USA out in, in making this race what it, what it can be and what it should be and what it is in many years. But uh, I, I wouldn't go. I really wouldn't go. If you're down to those fifth and sixth choices and and there's not a lot of enthusiasm pull out man so that, that's you know what steve they, they say that it's the motocross the nation is going to be in america next year apparently yep. and in my mind yeah in my mind i'd say there's a 25 percent chance of that actually happening that, really? and i don't know any yeah. of the, i don't yeah. know any of the insider or whatever but the way it stands like we've had this like I almost feel like they dangle that carrot out there to kind of make it be like, oh, well, we're coming to you next year, so right. like, yeah. why don't you be a part of it this year? And then as soon as they can't figure something out and nobody wants to fork over their money, they're like, oh, well, instead we're going to have it in Italy. You know, yeah. France. No, 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 exactly. Absolutely. It's it's proven from Bud's Creek and Lakewood that these guys lost their, their asses. The promoters lost their asses on this race. For whatever reason, tons of people there. Uh, it looked really good, but you talk to both of those people, and they're like, yeah, we, it really hurt us uh, financially, which is amazing. But that's what the cost of the holding the race is. So I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. All I'm asking is if you just swap a GP date with the donation date so you can move the donations up three weeks early, uh, it doesn't cost anyone any money. Uh, you know, you're going to get the same. You're staying the same amount of GPs you're going to have. You're still going to have the donations as it was. You just move it up three weeks. I know it's probably weird to look at the GP calendar and not – I mean, the donations are supposed to be like the end-of-the-year celebration event, and I know that's a little weird. Mm-hmm. But it costs $0 to just swap a uh, French GP date, you know, that's like mid-September with the donations date. No money. costs no one any money. Same yeah. races, just flip-flop dates. And I think that makes all the difference. And, in fact, if anything – the donations gets to bring in more money because I would assume that having Tomac and guys like that is going to make it, you know, maybe a little more popular than it would be if we have the Pike Sealy team or something like that. I don't That's know. All. It's, it's I don't a very know. Sensible, we, easy solution. I I don't think you can because the GP teams will be like, why would we risk the donations? We're in it, we're fighting for a championship. We don't want to send oh, our guys. Well then, you know, then it's not tenable. Then I don't know what we're supposed to do. No, then you just wrap up the GPS right before the across the nations. You wrap it up by September one. And then the next week is the Motocross Nations. And yeah. so the USA guys get one week off. The, the, the European guys go, you know, they have no weeks off. They go right from the last GP in Europe 
to the Disney nations and we call it a day and we're all done by September 15th. Uh, so I don't know. I, that's a big ask. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, all that's right. Rough. Um, this has been the Loretta Lynn's pod. Great week of racing. Sounds uh, like there was a lot of fun had and I wish everybody would stop bitching about their vet races and, uh, <laughs> you know, just shut up and go race plus 30. And then, you know, you can be in with all the, your people that you, you know, and you don't get mad at Mike Brown and Nate Ramsey and Bud Man. So, um, all right, anything else, boys? Jimmy, Weege? I heard there was uh, some talk about maybe doing like a 125 X Pro race at Loretta's there for a while. That would be really cool. Well, the one thing about that, no. the one thing I've heard about Loretta's, and maybe Wagan can correct me, is this is the amount of classes that works. You cannot add any classes without taking something away. This is the maximum amount of races that they can hold within a week and be on time and, and be on schedule and everything else. So something has to go if you want to add classes. Is that correct, Wagan? Pretty yeah, that is simple. Correct. You just take away the four to six yeah. shaft and the four to six oh. special limited. Okay. Because there's a four to six you. limited and a four to six special limited, which How makes no you. sense in my mind. How dare you? <laughs> a lot of that, uh, yeah, you do. You can't add one that take one away, but they do it a lot. I mean, we already just talked about it right on here that the A classes have been pared down. Yep. Um, last year they tried having an all star class like the Monster Cup is just a any a me rider. They can all race together uh, to really see who's the best, and no one entered it. So that was a one and done. So. <laughs> They can find a way to get rid of classes. But what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of the class structure there is based on the AMA. And it's not just MX Sports because, remember, there's all these other tracks that are involved with the qualifying process. Mm -hmm. So you get those tracks, MX Sports, and the AMA in a room. And sometimes they use it as like, look, we're, we're noticing that, um, you know, two strokes are good for the sport, right? So let's put a two-stroke class or two in there to kind of incentivize people to buy two strokes, race two strokes. If we put a two stroke 125 class at Loretta's right now, it's called BC. It's not an X pro class. It's like maybe if, if some of the fast amateurs race that mm -hmm. that's good for the sport. So a lot of times decisions are made on, Hey, locally, this needs to happen or that needs to happen. And if we put it out, there's a dangling carrot at Loretta's. Um, a couple of years ago, they had a class, believe it or not, the 50 shifter class. It was like for XR 50 type bikes. Because they're like, man, that's a good entry-level bike. We need to, yeah. again, give an incentive for people to buy those and use those and race those because that's a great bike for young kids. Uh -huh. um, so that's where a lot of those decisions get made. It's it's not at the top. It's more at the bottom, like who's racing so, what locally. So you're saying a, a, a 125X Pro class might not really cut it because of how can you qualify on a regional level and all that? Like how can you have enough guys? Well, they're always no, going to have no, you yeah, don't, you don't do qualifiers. You get there wouldn't oh. be qualifiers. It's oh. just yeah, in, invite only. Oh, okay, all right. Oh, I yeah, know. but I mean, uh, before we before we hang this one up, like there is one kid since we're talking about two strokes that was amazing this weekend was that Mason Gonzalez in the yeah, um, that's true in the one twenty five BC class. yeah. Yes, and he ran the third fastest lap time of the weekend, and that doesn't count. The only Justin Cooper had one faster lap than him, only one, and um, I believe it was Derek Drake had one faster lap time than him. That's pretty. That's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I like so, the I like the name. Yeah, and he, on top of that, he yeah. had he had roached out bikes, and I guess before this weekend, like 
I mean, I'm sure it's different now, but he had not got any support. Like 100% gave him a couple of new goggles and he was just completely like stoked, you know, pumped on it. Hmm. And this kid goes out and runs third fast lap time on a 125. Oh, that's cool. Uh, good to hear. You know, it's that, that's, that's kind of stuff that, you, you know, you – you like to see at the ranch, somebody breaking through a uh, Shane McElrath for years. Uh, Weege always tells that story. Right. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. The kid, he had never been on an airplane before and was sort of, you know, whatever. So uh, now look at, look at Shane now. So um, yeah. awesome. All yeah. right. So the class structure is based very much on trying to make those things happen. Like Loretta's at this point, as they even said, Tim Cotter said it in, a, in an AMA meeting. He's like, that event at this point isn't going anywhere. Like Loretta's doesn't need to get stronger. It's fine. So how can they use Loretta's to help some of the other parts of the sport, which are not exactly roaring along right now, like local racing and two strokes and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very much being used as a tool for that because Loretta's is Loretta's. They can change classes all they want. It's still going to be popular. So let's use it uh, to its benefit. And uh, there's probably not enough of that going on in the sport right now, but it's AMA. So it's easier to get, I think things organized than uh, some other levels of the sport where it's like, who's even going to control this thing? Is it, two series and there's promoters and there's sponsors and blah 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 it's a little easier at the amateur level to make that happen um if only like you said we as far as supercross and motocross and if only there were one entity that controls everything and has their hands in everything if only yeah. if only yeah. there was this one one place in ohio yeah. that you know yeah <laughs> uh, careful what you wish for i mean everybody wanted to marginalize the ama's power because they didn't necessarily do a great job yeah when they were running things but now suddenly we're at this who's in charge scenario in this sport, and it's like, oh, ooh, that would have been nice. Yeah, Supercross wants more Supercross races. The teams want no more. The teams want less races. The Nationals uh, want the same amount of races, and and there's Red Bulls and straight rhythms and 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 or Red Bull straight rhythms and and Disnations and Monster Cups being added, and and uh, everyone. And people want two strokes, and manufacturers aren't going to let that happen, you know. Yep. And it's yep. like who's really in charge here? Yep. So if you had one centralized body, they could say, like, nope, this is for the good of everything. These are the rules. Suck it. Yep. But those that's not happening. No, no, absolutely. Um, no. All right, Jimmy and uh, Weege, thanks for your time on the podcast. Uh, sounds like you guys had a fun week in Loretta's. And uh, thanks, boys. Awesome. See you in Dilla. Thank you. Later. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna.
I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like being a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pitch and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years.